So Money Episode 374, Millionaire Next Door, Aaron Lapidus. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, and even video backgrounds, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Millionaire Week continues. And today we have a special guest. I'm reconnecting with this person, actually. Aaron Lapidus. He's someone I interviewed years ago back when I was working on a show called Financially Fit with Yahoo. Many of you remember me from that. Many of you don't. (laughs) It was a fun time and I got to travel around the country interviewing people who had some really cool financial lifestyles, like people who lived in tiny homes, people who had retired by 40. And then Aaron was somebody that was the quote unquote garage sale millionaire. So he's a millionaire next door who's really created wealth for himself through finding really interesting stuff and then reselling it, whether it's you know on eBay or to individuals on Craigslist. He's from Denver and he's the author of Garage Sale Millionaire. It's a best-selling book. And now he's working on a second book, a children's book dedicated to his son and all kids out there who have autism. It's called A Boy Named Penguin. And that comes out very soon. So stay tuned for more information on that. Aaron is really taking advantage of his millionaire status. He's uh, doing what he loves. Right now, he's running an art gallery in Denver. He's writing the children's book that he is very passionate about. He's out there giving speeches. He is living the life he deserves because he has actually put in the hard work. And so we're going to talk about how he actually became a garage sale expert, how maybe you and I can learn a thing or two about what to pick up at the next yard sale so we can cash in and maybe someday become millionaires off of this as well. We also talk about how, yes, he attributes a lot of his financial success to making the right calls, being diligent, and having this kind of, you know, garage sale savvy, but also because he encountered a very life-threatening moment in his life, and that also catalyzed him to really make the most of not just his finances, of course, but of his overall life and happiness. So very excited to introduce this person to all of us and to hear his story. Here's Aaron Lapidus, our millionaire next door. Aaron Lapidus, welcome to So Money. 
It's so nice to reconnect. Listeners, I know Aaron. I've known him for a few years now. He is a a fantastic guy, a garage sale millionaire as it is. That's how we actually connected. I was at Yahoo doing a story about interesting people that are doing fascinating things with money and you came up naturally as a garage sale millionaire. So that's where we're going to start. But first, I want to just welcome you to the show and, and, and say welcome to podcast land. This is your first podcast. It is. I'm really excited. I don't know really what to expect, but I'm I'm loving right now every minute of it. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Put on your seatbelt. No, it's 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 all good. We're we're all friends here on So Money, and it's a really warm and cozy place. And hopefully, you'll enjoy the next thirty minutes, as I know the listeners will definitely enjoy it. We have a lot of rabid listeners on So Money. People who binge listen to the show. It's daily, and so thank you to everyone who's tuning in right now. And and Aaron, um. Let's catch up. So I haven't seen you in a few years. You're, you wear many hats, right? You have the, uh, the one brand of yours, which is the, the Garage Sale Millionaire, a best-selling book. You had the show on PBS for a decade. Then, of course, you have the art gallery in Denver. Um, and you have a new book out coming out in April about um, your son's growing up as a kid, still a kid, uh, with autism and, and how he's overcome challenges and how he's going to really be a role model for a lot of other kids that are, quote unquote, different. Going to get into all of that with you excited for that. But let's start with the Garage Sale Millionaire. This is Millionaire Week on So Money. We're talking to millionaires next door. You are a millionaire next door of sorts and a garage sale millionaire at that. How did that even become what you were known for? You know, it it was a very fun time in my life. It was, I was nine or 10 and um, I wanted more toys just like, uh, just like any kid. And my Mother wanted to draw a line in the sand and say, Aaron, um, you have enough toys. You don't play with the toys you have now, and but I'm willing to make a deal. And that deal is we're going to sell the toys you don't want. I'm even going to sell a few things that I don't want. And we're going to take – because the whole concept of selling, I didn't really understand. And I go, okay, mom, explain the selling part. And she goes, well, we're going to take all these items, put it on our front lawn – we're going to put little signs around the neighborhood and let people know we're having a garage sale and people are going to come to our house and actually buy stuff we don't want. And I was just perplexed, amazed, excited that people would buy stuff that we don't want anymore and really give us money. And then I go, mommy, what would we do with all that money that we get? And she goes, that's it. I will give you all the money to go to the local toy store and buy whatever you want. And that's what hooked me (laughs) right there. Yep. And so we had our first garage sale and my and um, my parents said, you know, everything's going well. Aaron, we have to go inside and make lunch. And I go, but, Daddy, what happens if somebody wants something? thing. And um, what do I say? And they go, go, son, it's very simple. Whatever they want, all you need to say is tell me what you want and what you're willing to make an offer for it. And I go, that's all I have to do is what you're willing to make an offer for. And I go, great, I, I can do that. And so my parents, we it was toward the end of the garage sale. We didn't have much stuff left. We had, but we had a rush of people came and I was there by myself and people would ask for stuff that I didn't have on the lawn. Some people asked for a nightstand. Some people asked for a lamp. <laughs> so I ran inside and got it. Wait, how and old I were you again? Out I, I, I went right inside the house and, and I, I was, I, I think I was nine or 10 at the time. And, 
and pulled it out. And I said, what would you make me an offer for this? And they made me an offer. And I, my parents came out literally a 45 minutes later. I do not know what they were making. And I had all this, my pockets were full of cash and they were so proud of me until that night when they walked around the house and found half their furniture gone. <laughs> yeah. How was that? What did that, how did, how, you know, did you they could, for like a month. Yeah. They couldn't be that mad at me, but literally I probably sold, I don't know, two, $3,000 worth of furniture for about $120. Oh my gosh. You can't but, even buy an air mattress for that. <laughs> I, I know, but it was what, it was what, you know, I got so excited. My dad ultimately was proud of me because he told me just to handle it, to ask them to make an offer. And I did exactly what he said. And kind of the crux of it was I it gave me the bug right there. That's what turned on the switch for me was the excitement, the adrenaline of making money for the first time. And I did it by myself. So then after that, what happened when you caught the bug? What was the next phase of the garage sale millionaire's journey to becoming the millionaire? So I did, uh, I talked to my parents in do, doing a garage sale um, every year. And after the second one, I wanted to start to go to other people's garage sales. And I started to realize how good garage sales were done and, and why the bad ones didn't work. And I was buying at garage sales and I started to learn about negotiation which, you know, when you're 10 or 11, to be able to negotiate, it's a powerful tool that you'll use your whole life. So many people today cannot negotiate. And so they get taken advantage of or they pay too much money on things. Well, I learned how to negotiate very early. So I started buying stuff like coins and baseball cards and stamps. And I was doing it so much. Garage sales weren't getting me what I wanted. So my dad showed me the classified ads. And then we'd go to people's houses or the back of a Burger King parking lot to to buy coins, which let's just say it for my dad. He was not too excited. I have pockets of cash and I was looking at coins. And <laughs> so my dad said every weekend for him was very, very exciting. So. That's how I did it. I kept on flipping my profits, buying more coins, baseball cards, comic books, everything that I loved. And Farnoosh, this is kind of going to be what I'm going to be saying throughout our talk. It's I had a passion that grew into a livelihood. And when you have that passion, when you have that fire in your belly, nothing will stop you. And that's what happened with the garage sale. The whole thing, I had more garage sales. I learned how to put stuff. I learned how to take little ads. I would go to estate sales and, and little um, uh, mom and pop stores that were selling secondhand stuff. And and that's what I did through my teenage years. And all the way, and and currently this is what I do now. I do it for fun, not not. Yeah, as I remember when we went to Denver to film with you. You took me to a Salvation Army, I think it was, right? Or a, a yep, yeah. It was a Goodwill store. Goodwill it was, store. Uh, you you do this. You go there and you kind of see what they have, and sometimes you find something that's really valuable. As they say, one person's junk is another person's treasure. What's been the most 
uh, the best ROI uh, as far as like finding something at a garage sale or an estate sale and then going and selling it? What's been the best return on your investment at through a secondhand uh, store or estate sale? So first, I like to just say that a lot of people have the storage wars mentality and believe in it for I think a lot of your viewer, uh, listeners know about Storage Wars on, on TV. It's a reality show. It is not truthful. It is, it's a reality show that is um, it's TV. And so a lot of people go into thinking that you go into a Goodwill or a Salvation Army store or buy a storage unit and you'll find the first thing you walk in, you'll find something you'll pay $5 for, and it's going to be worth a couple thousand dollars. Well, that kind of mentality is not, is not reality. And um, I would say one of my favorite finds um, was a tin toy from 1932, 32, 33, um, that I picked up for, I think, $12 or $13.00. And within a, about a week, I flipped it on eBay for almost $1,000. Okay, so, so what was this again? A tin toy. Tell us a little bit about it, the description. So tin <laughs> Can we toys do this? Can were, I do this? Yeah, were really popular back in the early 1900s. And a lot of them, um, because of the World War II and World War I, a lot of them got brought over from Germany and uh, Europe and brought over to the United States. And a lot of them are really intricate. And uh, not saying that America doesn't didn't make them, but this one happened to be from Germany. And they're wind, a lot of them are windable. And they're made out of metal, a thin tin. And they do amazing things. This one happened to have a, a monkey on a motorcycle. And actually, he was clapping his hands while the motorcycle was moving forward. And they have one with planes with the uh, a prop going round and round. They are absolutely an amazing, amazing toy that was made such a long time ago. And they're so intricate. And the craze has been for them for a long time. And they can go anywhere from $5 for several thousands of dollars, depending on how rare they are. And I so I was lucky that I just knew I've seen this tin toy before. And it was an it was an easy flip for me. So that's one of my more favorite stories. I've done things and for auctions and different things that I've made a lot more money. But that's that's my favorite story. At what point did you look in the bank account and realize, oh, oh, how about that? I've got a million dollars. And it's all thanks to my garage sale treasures. You know, it was actually my father because I um, I would buy coins and at one point I just started not flipping them anymore and keeping them. And I had huge, um, huge uh, vault at the bank that was at one time I had four of those little things you pull out those little mini vaults that you go to the bank and keep your collectibles um, Four huge ones filled up with silver and gold coins. And um, so it wasn't in my bank account. Um, I, I guess I, tra- I trusted a vault more than a bank account. And so that's where all my money was, was in actual gold and silver coins. And, and I, a lot of my coins I still, I still have um, because, you know, I'm a collector. And, and a lot of times collectors don't like to sell. And we do it for a bigger reason. But I think I realized that I was a millionaire when my father – 
kind of had an idea when I was 24, when he calculated how much I had to pay in taxes and what I had stored <laughs> away. And, and, and he was blown away because he, he said, son, I can't believe this. And he was way up in the federal government at the time for health and HHS, health and human services. And he at 24 and he was an assistant director at health and human services. And he says, son, I can't believe this. But I realize right now you make more than I do a year. Hmm. And um, and between what I and then between that of what I made a year and then what I have accumulated, it was because I, I didn't really I never added it up every I think a true entrepreneur it, it, he's not all about a target that he sets for himself because he wants to go further and further and do more it's about creating and and you know I, I wasn't big into being a millionaire that was not my goal it just so happened to I became one early on and um, that's fascinating. So obviously your passion drove this. I don't think that anybody could replicate your journey unless they, it sounds like you start, they started young like you did, um, unless they, you know, were relentless about it. I mean, you started with your garage sale at home that evolved into other people's garage sales that evolved into estate sales and the coin collection and eBay and, you know, you started when you were so young. And then, of course, now a lot of this stuff can be found online. Can you give us some pointers, maybe for listeners and myself included, uh, as to how to really find the items that probably could go for a lot of money, at where to find these things? I mean, we all think about baseball cards and the usual suspects when it comes to collectibles. But what sells, what resells the best, I should say? You know, uh, first, when I when I was collecting, because you mentioned eBay, there was no eBay. There was no email. And um, Farnoosh, I'm, I'm, I think there were no uh, podcasts either. <laughs> exactly. So I, this was be, even before your time. And I was doing it. I have to believe the hard way. And because the way I sold it, I had to actually go into people's stores and resell it. Or I had to take ads out, you know, classified ads. And that's actually how I did but going to your thing about the best way to find a deal, you know, first you should become an expert in something that you really like. Like I, I love coins. I also love historical memorabilia. And the biggest thing, people don't believe this, but 50% of what's on eBay gets sold, resold on eBay. And that's a that's a kind of mind blowing because people would say, you know, if they're selling it, why would you buy it and then relist it? It's because a lot of things on eBay either don't have a good picture that doesn't promote the piece properly. The description is absolutely wrong. And you realize what they have is something else that's more valuable. They have it underpriced. Um, so those things, eBay is a treasure trove of finding out good deals. But the way you do that is you become an expert in what you love. I love tin toys, historical memorabilia. So when I see something that is mispriced and misdocumented, I will do my research with the people on eBay. I will email them, ask them more questions just to make sure that I it's what I think it is. Make sure that I get a I'm able to return it in case it isn't. And that's very crucial mm -hmm. is to protect yourself on eBay. And then when I buy it, I inspect it really quickly. And then I will, 
either hold on to it for a little while, and then I eventually will relist it either on eBay or on a bigger auction house that gets a lot more higher end people looking at it. That's interesting. So make sure you can return the item. Look for things that um, aren't listed very Maybe the the words were not the best. Uh, they were under selling it perhaps a little bit, you think? Animation cells. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, they find these cells, uh, you know, they clean out their parents' house, they find it at a garage sale, and everybody knows the term a seri cell. So they'll use that term and they think seri cell, that's what I have. And so they'll they'll show a picture of it. And since I am an expert in animation cells, I've handled uh, had my gallery started as an animation gallery, I'll realize that never came out as an inexpensive seri cell. Basically, a seri cell is like a poster in the animation world. So it's very inexpensive. It's worth, it came out at $150 or so. But when they don't know what they have, very good chance I've seen lots of cells that weren't seri cells. They were actually hand-painted limited edition cells, meaning somebody actually hand-painted the back of it. It got numbered. And so instead of being worth $150, they're worth $1,500 or $3,000. And so it's, it's just that minor nuance that people are searching and they won't even think for looking for Disney Sari sales, but by looking at why I look, because people every day mislist what they have because they're such in a rush to put stuff on eBay and they don't take their time. And that's one of my biggest tips is if you don't know what you have, don't sell it until you do. Wow. Yeah. Hold your breath for as long as you can. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. This uh, expertise of yours led to a PBS show called Collect This. And then, of course, your book, Garage Sale Millionaire. Where is your... Where's your hobby, your passion, your expertise taking you today? Like what, what's going on right now with your garage sale uh, prowess? You know, I, you know, I will be asked to speak about collecting and making money the way I, that I started. And that, that's fun. Doing speaking gigs is a, is a, is a lot of fun. Um, I still have kind of gone in a different direction. I, um, for, new, for a person who's wrote several books, um, I got the bug to want to write another book, and I wanted to write it out of the genre of the garage sale and wanted to write a, a cartoon book for about my son. And so I kind of still go to garage sales, but I don't do it as much as I like because of life being so busy. Yes, and you own a gallery in Denver. We bought a couple of pieces of art from you. Thank you. Um <laughs> Yeah, just you have a fun life. And of course, you have a new book coming out now about autism, and it's a children's book. Tell us about that. It's called A Boy Named Penguin. And my son, who is on the spectrum of autism, um, is inflicted with it. He is high functioning, meaning that he is high IQ, he can speak, but socially, he is not in tune with what everything going around him. So Logan has been attached himself to penguins. He wants to be a penguin. He loves penguins. He waddles like a penguin. All these things. And one day I kind of woke up and realized this is an idea for a book. And because he introduces himself, he will come up to people and say, my name is Logan, but you can call me penguin. And that's how I got an idea. And it's about this child who... He the way he he handles and overcomes 
his surroundings that scares him is he becomes, in his mind, a penguin. And then when things get really rough, he becomes super penguin. And in real life, this is the what peng- this is what Logan did. He would dress up as a penguin and take all his stuffed animals, and they would go around the house and solve mysteries. So I related that to the the book. And so in his when he gets stressed out, he will change into the super penguin. And whatever the surrounding area is, like the zoo, which is on the first book, he will go and and solve a mystery or rescue something. And then you will learn a little bit more about him and why he has to do this. And at the end of the book, it talks about acceptance. And, and it will is it okay for him to have to do this? And his mom says, son, you know, you are a super penguin to me. And whatever you do is quite okay. And it's all about accepting kids, not only kids that are on the spectrum of autism, but kids with any disability. And it could be an invisible disability like autism, dyslexia, Mm -hmm. many others that you can't actually see, but ones that kids in wheelchairs, ones that can't walk right, ones that are down, has down syndrome, you know, we have to accept every kid and treat them like an awesome individual. And that's why I wrote the book. It's an important book. It comes out when? April 1st? April 1st to uh, signify Autism Awareness Month. And you're self-publishing. Tell us where we can buy the book. It will be on Amazon um, April 1st. Okay. We'll put those. We'll definitely be putting that on the website at somoneypodcast.com. I'm so happy you wrote that book. I've met your son. He's a joy. Kids are just so great. Can't imagine life without kids. I mean, some days I don't want to be around them, but <laughs> I hear you. You know, yours is only 20 months old and mine is going. Uh, he's having his, his seventh birthday here very soon. Wow, Seven. I think he was three when I met him. Oh, I, I know. Flies. it's And it gets away from you, too. So be yeah. careful. Everyone says that. I know. I know. So, Aaron, it sounds like you're really doing what you love still and, and your your success with with reselling items, your garage sale expertise has really built a foundation for you where now you can kind of have a a very meaningful and fun life. You can choose what you want to do. You have the art gallery, which um, is work, but it's also, I would say, pretty cool and fun to run an art gallery. And of course, now you're deciding, I want to write a book. I'm going to write a book about um, autism and, and children's, and it's going to be a children's book. And it's not something that you need to do to like survive. You know, this book will be great if it sells, but it's, it's more of a passion project, it sounds like. And so I feel like you've really gifted yourself a wonderful, fulfilling life that's on your terms, thanks to some, some really st- good strategy early on in life, saving, being really smart with your, um, with reinvesting the things that you were buying and reselling them. What would you say is the secret to your millionaire success? Bernouche, I'm, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I turned 50 this year. I did. So, happy birthday. Thank you. So um, roughly, I would say um, seven years ago, it was almost all ended. The economy downturn, um, with the economy downturn, my gallery, basically art was the last thing anybody needed to buy. And um, with that, I had lots of buildings. I had spec homes. I had my commercial buildings. And pretty much my gallery was worthless. Um, My buildings were underwater. Um, My wife was pregnant. 
Um, let's see, what else did I have going? My father was ill and I was one serious stress case. And I was pretty much in 30 days, this was all collapsing around me. So my, my wife had to go to the hospital and she had to have a emergency gallbladder surgery because the baby wasn't growing and, and my wife was in, a, in distress. So in December, I had a big thing of going on. I could lose my child. My wife could be severely injured. My gallery is, I was thinking, should I close it? Um, I was also thinking, did I, do I file bankruptcy? for because everything was crushing uh, coming down coming down hard and a few weeks after that after my wife got out of surgery which went which it went well and we were just kind of on the wait to see to see if if our baby was growing and and was going to rebound from the surgery because at the time it hadn't grown at all for several several weeks um i had a massive heart attack uh january 5th of 2009 and um, and when I woke up after uh, in the emergency room, um, I had three heart attacks. Believe it or not, my wife was pregnant. So I drove myself to the hospital because I did not want my wife to understand what was going on to add more stress to what was going on with her because we were worried that she was going to truly still lose the baby or it was going to come early. So I told her having I, I felt discomfort and and we called we called the doctor and the doctor over the phone said I was having a heart attack. I lied to my wife and said it was indigestion and um, they needed to check me out. So I got to the hospital and um, had a couple more heart attacks in the waiting room. They got me in. Um, I had a stent put in. And when they were had me under um and I woke up with a stent, I go, so I guess it wasn't that bad since I'm here to, I, I was able to wake up and they go, well, that's all true. But if this would have happened a few months later, you would have been dead because I was 99% blocked <gasps> on my left arterial descending artery. And, um, it was, it was a life changing experience to know that at 43, I was, I could have died. And, um, it was, it was a turning point for me because I realized I kind of, I was given another chance at life. You know, the doctor mm -hmm. was, was amazed to have an artery 99% blocked. And actually her new shed artery is called the widow maker. And they didn't give that yeah. title. Or, uh, they didn't call it that title for nothing. It's basically once that's blocked, you're done. Mm -hmm. And so I, I woke, kind of came out of that on fire. I just, you know, I was given a second chance. And so I just would, I got the fire back in my belly again. I, the excitement and, and not to be so far down. And yes, I was down, but I wasn't out. And I got the excitement and what I needed to just work harder, be happy that I was alive. And I was able to turn it all around. And my, my baby did come a month early, but he came out healthy. My wife is fine. And I started to put more time and energy in my gallery. And 
and knowing that the economy was not going to stay like this forever. And if I could just hold on, I talked to my banks to hold on and I worked everything out and I turned it around. It's because I never, you know, I gave up hope, but I got it back. And I think that's a lesson a lot of people, a lot of your listeners are going to have that some of them, our economy is not perfect. And there's going to be still highs and lows that they just can't give up hope. And if they just find something that gets them reignited and the passion back into what they're doing, they'll make it through the hard times. And remember that life is short. I mean, you had a real face with death. And a lot of us, I think, take life for granted. We take our, um, our, what the things that we're grateful for, we don't really recognize regularly. And I think that that your story is really, um, hopefully for everybody else, we don't have to get to a, an extreme point like that to have that kind of a wake up call. But hearing you talk about how you overcame that is just remarkable. It puts things in perspective, definitely for me, I have to say, to hear your story. It is, it is one that kind of shocks people for several reasons. You know, I was 43, um, and it, and and people say you know stress can kill. I, I'm I'm a I'm the person to look at as the poster child on that because stress almost killed me. I could not take it anymore. Oh my god! And my body just felt like it had to shut down. And a lot of people, it's <laughs> they don't need to go through this. Life is short. They need to figure out. Don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. If, if it's you didn't have a good day, you've got a chance next day to go after it again and take it from a different angle. Ask for help. A lot of times what I did not do is I didn't ask for help. I, I put it all on my shoulders. And there's so many things that I could have changed, and that was one of them, that to look for family members, friends, and see what people around you in your network could help you do to to move forward and get to your goal. Well, Aaron, I wish I could talk to you for another half an hour, but we're both very busy and uh, maybe I'll have you back on again because I feel like there's so much more that you have to share. But for now, let's uh, let's leave people wanting more. Go to Amazon on April 1st and check out A Boy Named Penguin. I cannot wait for that book to come out. And if you're more interested also in Aaron's uh, garage sale experiences, his advice for how to make money reselling other people's stuff, which I think, you know, this world, there's no end to other people's stuff. We have too many things uh, in our basements, in our attics, garages, storage bins. Garage Sale Millionaire is out and it's an award-winning book. And um, of course, if you're in Denver, check out Fascination Street Fine Art Gallery and say hi to Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy we were able to reconnect. Sounds good, Farnoosh. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to to be on your podcast. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Aaron, check out his book, Garage Sale Millionaire, and definitely check out his new children's book called A Boy Named Penguin. Aaron's website is thegaragesalemillionaire.com. If you missed any of this, don't worry. Just head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can sign up for the newsletter, get up to speed on what's happening with the podcast and also with my life because I have a lot going on. Uh, namely a new show that's airing this month on CNBC called Follow the Leader. Very excited about that. So log on, send me your email so I can add you to the list and get all the behind the scenes and updates and all that good stuff. And of course, news and information about the podcast and all the personal finance stuff that you crave. 
And while you're at somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh if you've got a question about money or career or investing or saving or earning. Send that my way. I'll be happy to tackle it on a forthcoming Ask Farnoosh episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. That's Millionaire Week wrapped up. Tomorrow, we've got Ask Farnoosh. How did you like the week? Write in. Let me know. Leave comments. Go to somoneypodcast.com. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so